Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag. And I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right? I mean, no, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays a means floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get a mean in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tom, are you ready for season 19 of Top Chef? I am so ready, Kevin. It feels like years since the Portland season. Let's go! This is Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haberstroh. Tom, Top Chef has been on for more than half of your life. Oh no, is that true? I think it's so. out. Yeah, it's more than <laughs> more than half my life, yeah, now that you mention it. It's crazy. Not more than half my life, unfortunately, because I'm 71. But Tom? <laughs> well, like a 71-year-old, you forgot your, your USB cord or something, you're on the road, so this is kind of an exhibition for us. It's not officially Top Chef season yet, the, the show hasn't premiered, so we're kind of working out the kinks, right, Kevin? Yes, I have a little... Uh, pack your knives business to handle beforehand. 
Tom, do you know where I had dinner on Tuesday night? Well, you were in Chicago. Yes. Please tell me you went to Joe Flam's new restaurant. I went to Joe Flam's Rosemary in the Fulton Market area and had one of the great meals of the year. Absolutely delectable. Every single dish. The Brussels sprouts with a trout roe. That's like kind of the seared tuna tartare. Uh, oh, the squid ink risotto. The porcini, um, the porcini mushroom is an anilotti, I think. And the pichawi pepe. So simple. So beautiful. And then I got uh, a really nice duck breast for dinner. Oh. Man, that sounds so good. I'm so excited for Joe that he has uh, opened up his own restaurant and navigated the whole pandemic. And it seems like uh, it's doing really well. I miss him. The Bulls are doing well. Uh, he's got to be on just cloud nine with the Chicago Bulls season. So I, I just looking at this press release for season 19 Houston, Kevin, Joe Flam will be making an appearance in this season. So I don't. I know that he signed all the NDAs, but um, I guess this isn't the last time you're going to see Joe over the next couple of months. You're going to see him on this program. Very exciting. Huge Joe Flam fan. Gave us the royal treatment. Place was packed on a Tuesday night in winter. Um, things are going well here in Chi-Town. Had a great meal last night at The Loyalist. Um, I highly recommend. Supposedly it's the best burger in the country. I, of course, have given up the red meat, but I had two delicious items. Um, an ocean trout and a beet tartare was the best I've ever had. Chicago continues to impress culinarily. But I want to tell you, Tom, as you know, one of the great sleeper food cities in the United States of America is Houston, Texas. Yeah, I've been there a couple of times for work, but I can't say that I've eaten the town. I've gone to a couple places. It's a sprawling city, a huge city, one of the most populous cities in America, very diverse, I haven't really scratched the surface with Houston. So tell me about Houston as a culinary destination. One of my favorite restaurants in America, and I don't say that a lot. I mean, this is truly in my top 10, is Nancy's Hustle. Nancy's Hustle, which is open late most nights. It's kind of clubby looking and yet completely unpretentious. Had a half chicken there, lamb tartare, green salad. And it's open late, as I said, most nights. So you can go post game if you don't got a right. Um, also, Theodore Rex the Dutch crunch roll, the tomato toast, the Wagyu ribeye at Theodore Rex, two of the best meals I had in 2019. And they opened this little like mini food court downtown where there is a small sushi counter that flies in fish daily from Tokyo. Uh, and it's called Kokoro. And it became, I think, lunch three days in a row. So, um, and Vietnamese food. Got to go get some Vietnamese food in Houston. The Ban Moi Hue at Duk Chong number three, fantastic. I mean, it was one meal after another. I didn't even get to the Tex-Mex uh, environment. I didn't even, you know, explore soul food scene. It was just one great meal after another. Yeah. Cause top chef, I was a little surprised they went with Houston cause there's, you know, they haven't done Atlanta. You're still campaigning for Atlanta. Where's Atlanta? <laughs> and so they didn't do Atlanta. They've done Texas before, but not Houston. You know, they hit Dallas and Austin and kind of the other Texan cities. But Houston is a really great cast, it looks like. We'll get into that in a little bit. But I watched the Top Chef Season 19 trailer, Kevin, and there's lots of little Easter eggs in here, lots of things to note down. But more so than that, we're seeing a lot of familiar faces. I think one thing we've learned about Top Chef over the past few years is they're kind of dipping back into the well 
of their Top Chef alumni a lot more, whether it's the season all-stars um, or whether it's just having last year in Portland, a lot of the alumni back into the show, uh, com- not competing, but there for every quick fire with Padma. They've really leaned on the universe, the Top Chef universe. And this season for for Houston, the catch, or I guess the not the gimmick, but the twist on this season is that every episode we're going to have a Top Chef alumni attached to it. We're also going to get like a culinary, local culinary or national culinary icon paired up with the Top Chef alumni. So, Kevin, it's not just about the new cast we got to talk about. It's the returning cast. Did you see who's coming back for this season? I mean, you, you had mentioned a couple of things. I mean, one thing I really like, and you just mentioned it, is one of the strengths of the show, and it gets it's kind of a benefit that's compounded each season is that there are like these recurring characters, right? Like somebody wins or someone, you know, makes it to the finale. They're a great personality. And by the way, like over from the moment they kind of were in the show to the present moment, they've gotten to be even better as chefs. And so you have these recurring characters, which, you know, makes you even more vested in the show than you otherwise would be. So, so Tom, tell me, who are some of the faces I can expect to see in this season okay so spoiler if you don't want to know these names then you can skip over this but it's not really a spoiler spoiler. really it's like you get to know the who's going to be the cast of the show you're about to watch yeah you know that jennifer aniston and reese witherspoon are on morning show and steve carell before you watch it so i'm not i'm not spoiling it. that's a terrible show by the way it's kind of a guilty pleasure for awful the acting or the actual show do you think it's too you're too inside baseball you know this this media thing no I, i like inside baseball it's just awful um, as melodrama, as just sort of a bad version of sort of a <laughs> dramatization of the current climate and culture. Like, it's awful. And no one needs to relive the pandemic. The season two is like the, the start of the pandemic, you know, parallel life. And it's just like, no one needs to go back to that. So this isn't this isn't mo- pack your morning show pa- papers and, and leave, right? This is not that show. But we got to talk about this cast. Naisha Arrington, Kelsey Barnard-Clark, Adrian Cheatham. Tiffany Derry, Joe Flam, aforementioned Joe Flam, Gregory Gorday, he's back. A fixture, a great fixture. Hung Win, Stephanie Izard, the Queen, Melissa King, Ed Lee, your favorite, Nini Win. Love Nini. Kwame Anwayachi, Anwayachi, and then we have Claudette Zapeta. Our favorite Claudette from a few years ago. We had her on the pod and we she was really fun with us. So a really good crew. Claudette, I need to get down to San Diego. We want to take the dog down to San Diego for a long week. And we've never traveled with him. And that is on the agenda for 2022. Wait, can you bring me along? Because I want to go and see uh, Mr. Malarkey as well. Isn't he in San Diego? Absolutely. It'll be a great trip. Also, because like the Padres ballpark is Petco Park, as you know, and they have like uh, bark at the park day. So you get to bring your dog to a major league baseball game. Which is something I'm dying to do. With, except Howard's going to eat every friggin' thing. But I don't know. I'm weird about this, and I'm a dog lover, and uh, we're we're actually on the mar- in the market for a dog. We'll talk about that offline, Kevin. But the um, they got to go somewhere, right? Like in the ballpark. Do you want to be dealing with all that, uh, you know, stuff everywhere? The shit. No, they have designated places. It's like a dog park, literally. No, I, I don't know if I trust other dogs though. I, I trust my guy. Anyway, do you know something about? Um, Houston that I didn't know, Kevin, is that the Rockets didn't start in Houston. The Houston Rockets came from San Diego. Yes. 
Rick Adelman was on the first team as a player. Oh, that is so cool. The San Diego Rockets. I just kind of assumed Houston was the, the birthplace of the Houston Rockets. Is there a better pairing, like a better uh, city, second city for a team name than Houston with the Rockets? Like Utah Jazz is famously just horrible. Like the Utah Jazz taking the New Orleans Jazz name. Awful. So off the charts bad that it's awesome. <laughs> it's, a, it's just on the other end of the spectrum that it's so bad that it's good. Right, exactly. So the Houston Rockets, I guess, picked up the the San Diego Rockets after they kind of almost folded back in the 60s. And the Houston Rockets have been had a couple down years. I don't think either of us are going down there for the playoffs anytime soon uh, to cover to cover Houston. But I do know that this is going to be an interesting season, not just because of all the past chefs coming on. Um, one thing that's interesting is Shota, I believe, is coming back this season. Um, I don't know if I had him on that list that I just re- read you, but also Maria Mazzone from last season, uh, my beloved Maria. Mm-hmm. And the big name, I guess I left this last season off that that original roster. The big name for this season is Don Burrell. Kevin, Don, this is going to be Don's season. The Houston chef, I think I saw in the preview, the, the trailer, that she's like on a field. There might be some teams involved. Um, and Don, who was a very, very poor choice for trading her away early in the season last year. Um, you must be excited to have Don back in your life, huh? I am. And we'll, we'll talk about our, our coming draft and, and whatever picks. I think we have some outstanding picks to to reconcile. Um, or maybe we don't. I, I don't know. You'll, you're, you're, you're the great scorekeeper. You got a chance to look at the 15 contestants. Really interesting group. Anything to stand out to you, either individually or trend or, or just – kind of general feel like what, what do we think uh, i kind of feel like we're we're advanced scouting here what do we think i think i saw more michelin star restaurants on their resumes than i can remember ever besides an all-star season with like accomplished chefs that have already competed on the show it does seem like a lot more decorated accolades wise um staff or roster for this year. A um, lot of Michelin star restaurants, a lot of it's worldly. We have a couple chefs that are not American that are, that are either um, South Korea or Australia. They're coming in from around the world. So I feel like when we're looking at this roster, it is a much more diverse group. Um, I reading the bios, I noticed that a lot of these chefs are in business with their spouses mm-hmm. and maybe, I don't know. Is that a pandemic thing you think? Is that just like chefs, maybe the restaurant shut down and so they're going to have to get creative and, and start businesses with their spouses. But yeah, we, we have we have a really good roster, I think, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, it's also interesting. There seem to be more contestants. And, and to your point, and, and I think one of the examples you're talking about is uh, Evelyn Garcia, who is in an enterprise with her husband called Kin HTX in Houston. So she's got a home field advantage. But there are a lot of chefs who've done pop-ups we have Ashley Shanti, who does a fish fry pop-up in Asheville. Bless her heart. Um, there's a great fish fry pop-up in my neighborhood called Little Fish in Echo Park in Los Angeles. But she's in a pop-up. Evelyn, in addition, in one of the branches of, of Kin HTX are pop-ups in addition to selling products. Um, as, as you mentioned, uh, Jae Jung, who has a pop-up, Korean Cajun pop-up, Korean Cajun pop-up in New York City, called Kjun, K-J-U-N. And so I, what I've noticed is, yeah, you have people who are coming through the ranks as chefs, 
But there are a lot of people in business for themselves. Nick Wallace in Jackson, Mississippi does catering, events, kind of what I would call civic cooking in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, you know, Sam Kang, you know, had a it was a sous chef at Mamafuku Co., now is teaching kids about food. I mean, that's his job yeah. now. Um, and then there's this mystery guest, Luke Coplin, or Culpin, sorry, um, who worked at Noma in Copenhagen, which, as you know, is regarded as maybe the best restaurant in the world. Um, and, you know, worked at a place on the west uh, lake side of Lake Union in Chicago, but like doesn't seem to be employed right now. Um, and so I just think there is, you know, it used to be you came up through the traditional restaurant line, right? And then you get to sous chef and then your executives ever chef de cuisine. And, and now it looks like there's just more ways in. And I do think that might be a function of the pandemic, but sort of the, Hey, I'm in it for myself as a pop-up, as a small entrepreneur, frankly, commercial rents have gotten so expensive in these cities that that's kind of how you do have to start unless you got major financing lined up. And I do think also with this cast, there is one person that stood out to me that is, I don't know if the favorite, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, leak my own big board here, but Leah Gaccioni, um, she is from Morristown, New Jersey. She's the chef and owner of South and Pine. Her bio, mm -hmm. I didn't know this. She's appeared on Iron Chef America, Beat Bobby Flay, Iron Chef Showdown, Chopped, and is the host of the documentary film, Her Name is Chef. Kevin, she's a pro. She's a literally a professional cooking competitor. Yeah. She is professional. Like she does cooking competition shows practically for a living, uh, but also apparently has a wonderful place in suburban New Jersey. But like, you're right. Like, look at those credits. And as I think you're right in the sense that, you know, as we learn so much of Top Chef is time management. It's kind of knowing how to compete, making decisions on the fly. I'm with you. I got to believe that Chef Caccioni must have an advantage having played all these various games um, in all these different settings. This is old hat. She is not going to melt under the bright lights. She is, she comes, she's like one of those European ball players that when, you know, when they come to the draft, it's like, oh, this guy's been playing pro ball since he was 14, you know, like, he's like that's who she is. She's Luka Doncic where it's like, yeah, he's 18 coming over, but he's been playing in, in Euroleagues for five years, exactly. right? So I thought she's really interesting. Um, you know, the hometown chef, Evelyn Garcia, you mentioned, is the only one from Texas, or at least, or uh, sorry, the, the only one from Houston. But there's also Joe Chan, who's Austin, Texas. And, she, and, and Joe Chan has a star-studded pedigree. You got yeah. Jonathan Waxman and uh, Marcus Samuelson. Um, and I have to mention, also a dog lover. Uh, she lives with her beautiful fiance, who is an English professor. This is from the, the bio at Texas State University. And they're two perfect dogs, Blue and Luna. So I know that Joe Chan is going to be high on your board just from that. Yeah. Also, I'm, I'm dying to know what a traveling exec chef for Marcus Samuelson. Does that mean that as he does food events around the world, you're sort of the exec chef as he kind of works the quote front of the house? And, you know, because when you do these sort of celebrity, um, you know, you go to a town, oh, the New York City, they're hosting these five chefs from out of town. And, you know, you got to play front of the house. And I don't know if that's what that means. Um, her place where she's an exec chef in Austin is Eberly, which is a few doors down from Uchi, which I think. You've been to, I've been to a bunch of times on South Lamar. It's a great stretch 
kind of parallel to South Congress in Austin, which, I mean, in terms of burgeoning food scenes, I mean, it's not even fair to call it burgeoning anymore. It's just there. Um, but you're right. I, I, I did earmark Joe Chan. Very mm-hmm. excited about um, her appearance. Uh, you know, it, it's it's such an interesting group. I, I, I also – I don't so much earmark for competitive purposes because I don't know how she'll perform. But Monique um, Fabesi, and I, I, I butchered that. I have no idea. Um, she did this great world tour when she trained, like Copenhagen. She worked at Pavilion um, Ledoyen in Paris, which I think is a three Michelin star joint. And what is she doing now? She has a contemporary patisserie in Vallejo, in suburban Vallejo across the bridge, right? Like, so it's a case of somebody saying, you know what? I had some bright lights. You know what? I want to run a bakery in my smaller community, kind of like Nick Wallace in Jackson, Mississippi. You know, it's like, it does seem like there are more chefs who are saying, yeah, we'll go in it for myself. I believe she also has a spouse that they went on in this bakery together with, and I think, you know, those family episodes later in the season, how much pride those family members are going to have, especially when you're in business and doing a restaurant or a bakery together, man, that's going to be a lot of, a lot of pressure, but also a lot of excitement for that family. Um, another, another name that jumped out to me is, uh, Sarah Welch, Sarah Welch. For me, the thing that stuck out to me is she's got a restaurant named Marrow. Okay. A restaurant named Marrow. I love bone marrow. I think it's the it's just you could put it on anything as a butter. Um, it's it's absurd whenever the bone marrow comes to your table how quickly I just inhale that thing. Um, and I find that she, you know she's already gotten like some James Beard Foundation recognition, mm-hmm. so she's got some credibility. And she's coming from from Michigan as well. I want to encourage you something before you go on to another contestant. So, Tom, you know how when we go to these restaurants, bone marrow is kind of an expensive appetizer, treated a little bit like a delicacy. Yeah. And you pay up the nose for it. Let me tell you something, my friend. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about Butcher Box. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com slash dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. I don't know if you got a butcher in Charlotte, North Carolina that you like, but I got a place in La Crescenta 
up, uh, which is kind of up the two freeway a little bit on the uh, in the foothills in, in Los Angeles. You can get the truth. The dirty secret is marrow's like throwaway. It's a throwaway. You can get like a bag of marrow for nothing. And then what's great about it, Tom, is do you know how hard it is to prepare marrow? Add salt, roast in oven. <laughs> yeah. End of story. Yeah. Like, like you should be, if you love marrow, and I did this before I gave it up, like you need to be finding your butcher, calling them up and say, hey, I want to get some marrow. It's going to be cheap. It is easy to make. You can impress your dinner guests. You can impress your wife. And you should be doing this. Everybody who loves that dish, it's the easiest cheapest thing you don't need to go to the gastro pub and pay 25 dollars for it in miami we would go and pick it up at the local Publix, and we would go to the butcher at the at the grocery store and they would just like give it to us almost for free right and then you go and you and we we would go sit outside on the biscayne bay at the grill by the pool with at our friend's place and we would grill it Ooh. in some aluminum foil and it'd get really hot and you'd pull it off the grill but then there'd be like some residual marrow in that little pan oh yeah on the grill throw some broccoli in there throw some onions in there just throw some veggies on there and let it roast in there in the grill grill it up with some bone marrow oh it is so good it is so good so um shouts to sarah for having a restaurant uh where she's the executive chef of marrow um and partner sorry so that's that's sarah good for sarah thank you for that instructional video on on marrow because look everyone listening to this pod probably already likes marrow um, very high Q rating amongst the top chef fans, I'm guessing. So uh, I noticed that Alinea and the Alinea group is sort of well represented. As you know, Alinea in Chicago, kind of synonymous with gastro um, uh, molecular cooking. And, uh, and because I'm in Chicago, uh, Damar Brown is the chef de cuisine at Virtue, which was nominated or their exec chef. His mentor, Eric Williams, was nominated yesterday as a semifinalist for The Beard. DeMar trained at Royster at Fulton Market, right down the street from uh, Mr. Flam's restaurant. And Jackson Kelm, who is a young chef in Los Angeles, has a place I have not been. Yeah, I was going to say, Kevin, give me a scouting report on this guy. I have not been to Ospi in Venice, which is an Italian joint. However, my friend, LA Times critic, Bill Addison, is all about the crispy provolone with the vodka sauce. So, um, and he is Alinea, Union Square Cafe, another guy, as you said, who really came up through some really prestigious restaurants in big cities. Uh, he's got his own shop now. And, and, and come. I need to go to Ospi, perhaps, if you're staying on the west side one of these days. You know, that's an away game for me. But I do love the cooking in Venice, Jelena, uh, a bunch of classics over there. So that is his deal. And he's an interesting contestant. Yeah, I love that one. And you know what? He might be coming from the Joe Flam tree because, you know, south side of Chicago, like Joe, maybe he, maybe Joe's in his ear a little bit about, you know, some tips and he's got a little bit of a, um, an advantage there because, you know, I don't know, something in the water there in south side Chicago lends itself to top, top chef victories. So Joe Flam there, there's, there's DeMar Brown. Uh, another one, you know, we kind of touched on earlier about the Jay Jung. Korean Cajun. Yep. Corning the market on Korean Cajun. I'm so fascinated by that, Kevin. What do you think of that? I looked at the menu. I went on. Um, now, now, she's between. I think it was like a pop-up, and it's, it's going to reopen soon. But she has a dish because I looked at her Instagram. It's seafood, seafood gumbo with a side of okra kimchi. Ooh. 
And she came up in New Orleans, which I think is one of the explanations at, at Herb Saint, at August. So she's sort of a graduate of the New Orleans school. And I, I'm all about it. If we ever in New York at the same time, Korean Cajun pop-up, that, that's fantastic. Uh, Ashley Shanti, I mentioned, is another uh, pop-up chef. However, she was um, nominated for uh, a beard, I believe, as the chef de cuisine in Asheville, North Carolina. I know one of your favorite places. Love Western Carolina. North Carolina, come on and stand up. Benny on Eagle, which is inside the Foundry Hotel right in central Asheville. Um, and again, though, a fish fry pop-up. Gotta love that. Love me a fish fry. Yeah, representing the state of North Carolina. Speaking of North States, Stephanie Miller, North Dakota. Kevin, give me a scouting report on North Dakota. Bismarck, have you been? I have been to Fargo in the outlying counties that are just to the west of Fargo. Eric and I love small county historical societies. So we drove 45 minutes out of Fargo where we were running a half marathon. as when I was trying to run one in every state before my back broke. Um, and it didn't literally break. It just got compressed and I had to give it up. But we went to the county that is so proud of the fact that the nuclear warheads that come out of the ground in like nuke Russia are in their county. And it was a big feature in their county museum. And it's a, it's a real, it's a, it's part of the county pride. And I love, uh, you know, I love that part of North Dakota, have not been to Bismarck, which is much smaller than Fargo. But what I really love, Tom, is I like a chef from a small city. You know, we always get these folks from the New Yorks and the San Francisco's and and I trained in Paris. But I love somebody that comes from rural America. Very excited to see how she does. Yeah. The last thing in her bio says she her state pride with menu items, including lefse, bison and kuchin. I know what bison is. I don't know the other two. All right, I'm going to tell you about lefse. I don't know if it's still there in Portland, Oregon. But there was a great food truck called Viking Soul Food. And what it featured was lefse, which is essentially kind of, it's like a Scandinavian, I mean, I guess you'd call it maybe a crepe or a flatbread. Is it a crepe? Yeah, yeah. Mine, the one I loved, was filled with smoked salmon. So um, there's definitely, as you know, a very kind of, you know, that's the Lutheran Scandinavian part of the country. So uh, not a surprise. And, and she kind of cut her teeth in Minneapolis down the road there. Um, so I know what let's say is what is Kuchin? That I do not know. Let's let's search that one. Yeah, let's see. A compound Kuchin injection. Oh, it's from a cake. German cake. A German cake. Okay, so she's got she's got dessert. You know, it's always good to have that in your repertoire is having a good pastry or a good dessert on this show. It reminds me of when that Alaskan chef, I think it was was it Colorado where there was like an Alaskan chef that basically only cooked with like caveman uh toolkit like tools at her disposal and it was just like oh that is super fun yeah so i i kind of feel like having her on the show is going to bring a nice little curveball um to season 19 and you know there's not speaking of curveballs there's not much here in terms of twists um we're gonna have padma gail and and tom back uh the invitation is out right now magical elves or anyone at bravo or on top chef Padma, we haven't had her on the show. The invitation has been sent out anytime. The door is open for Padma to come on to the show. We got Tom, we got Gail. 
And if you haven't listened to those episodes, go oh, back. So it much is fun. The best. We had the best time with those two. And like we have, you know, Kevin, you and I probably have this image of what it's like to interview Tom Colicchio and Gail Simmons. And they just completely surpassed all those expectations. They say, don't meet your heroes. But guess what? That's bullshit sometimes. <laughs> oh, everything I, I, I was hoping and expecting from Gail Simmons and more. God, I, we, we got to bring her back. All right, so who haven't we discussed? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of run down yeah. uh, in fairness. Yeah. Buddha Lowe is, is an Australian. I think she's he, – am I right that he's Cantonese-Australian? Moved to Brook, moved to London to work at Gordon Ramsay, then did another, another powerhouse training, right, 11 Madison Park. And now he is the exec chef at a place I don't know because I'm not huge on New York. Um, at Huso, which is kind of a tasting course place inside Marky's Caviar Shop in, on Madison Avenue, which is really interesting. Um, you know, it's one of caviar is one of those things that I know I would kind of totally get into it if I had like fuck you money, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna apologize to my sister whose kids listen and really love the show. So that's the <laughs> only time I'll use, but it was in context, right? Like, I don't know. I said bullshit earlier. Again, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're gonna clean it up a little this year. So um, that's interesting. Uh, Robert Hernandez is a private chef in San Francisco. We talked about kind of the trend of, you know, a lot of chefs pulling back from restaurants. Uh, he worked at Octavia, uh, which is reputed to be a great place. Haven't eaten there near Japan down as chef de cuisine, but now, you know, doing his own thing. And I really like Sam Kane. So this guy, sous chef at Mamafuku Co., great place. Had a great meal there, um, thanks to my cousin a few years ago. What does he do now? 11 Madison Park, another 11 Madison graduate. But he didn't do, He didn't go with the, the Buddha Low Row. What did he do, Kevin? What did he do? He decided, I'm going to teach kids about food. And that is what he does professionally now, which is pretty cool. How cool is that? Yeah, very cool. Do we talk about Nick, Nick Wallace from Jackson, Mississippi? Right. And so another person kind of uh, sort of self-enterprise, right? Um, And I mentioned him earlier. Uh, He does catering. Um, You know, there's important museums in in Jackson, Mississippi. He's the kind of the museum cafe, uh, I I would mention, director or chef. Uh, He does lots of events and, again, what I call civic cooking in, in Jackson, Mississippi. You know, again, a smaller city representative, which I really, really like. I got to ask my neighbor. He's a big pit smoker, pit, roast pig, like a Carolina barbecue, but he's from Jackson, Mississippi, outside of Jackson. So I got to ask him about my man, uh, Nick Wallace here. Um, you know, this, I think I'm rooting hardest for Ashley, just my my state pride in North Carolina. We don't get too many North Carolina chefs on Top Chef. Um, so it is really Let's see, fifteen contestants. I think we hit them all here, and we got. I think. I think if you're doing an average, I don't know, uh, average per of these chefs, I think they're all pretty high. Like, I it's not as high as an all star season, but it seems like based on these resumes that uh, we have some very accomplished, very decorated chefs here, and they're also a lot more worldly than I thought we would have this season. And I think that fits nicely with the the whole melting pot of Houston, Texas, as the backdrop. You know, with me, the rooting interest is I'll see. Bios are great. Oh, that's a lame. That's a lame take. No, 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 no. I want to. I want to look. At, at the end of the day, I'm rooting not for resumes. I'm rooting for chefs. And to say nothing of the fact that I mean, let's be honest, Tom. We root for our team, and this is tribal. And so, who am I rooting for? I'm rooting for. The guy who ain't, and the gal who ain't on your team. Oh, there it is. Way better answer. You know, yes. I'm really curious. I'm going to see. You know, I mean, the truth is, is that I'm. I think like you, and I think you're in this category too. Is I want to see how they cook. Like I, 
you know, there's kinds of cooking I'm drawn to. And I don't mean just in terms of flavor profile or uh, from this continent. I, I mean, just sort of stylistically, like, you know, I like chefs who are very process oriented because I'm anal, right? Um, I did love Dawn, but it drove me crazy. <laughs> and she wasn't my team, but I'm a sucker for presentation. I like cleanliness in terms of, you know, but, but I think that's kind of my thing is I'm not ready, but I am, I am excited for our draft. I totally forgot. I had it in like a separate category, Kevin, but we have season 10, Kristen Kitsch, Sheldon, Simeon, and Brooke Williamson on the show. So if you're, if you're counting at home, we have three contestants returning from season 10 and three contestants returning from last year's season. Does that mean, Kevin, they're the most, by the way, of any season. They have three from season 10, um, Seattle, and in, in season 18 last year in Portland. Do you think that means, Kevin, I posit to you, that Magical Elves believes that the best season of Top Chef is season 10 because that's the one that they've that they've brought back the most on this show? The answer to the question, what is your favorite season, for me, has always been 10 and 12. Um, that was a great, you know, we had Brooke, who's a fixture now. Yeah. We had Sheldon. Obviously, Kristen won. Um, you know, it was sort of a really, it was a fun group. And I was a fan. Yeah. I think it's great. Uh, and those are great characters. I mean, those are, and I, I don't mean characters as in haha. I mean, characters just like they have great stories. They had really interesting trajectories and arcs as characters on the, on the show. So uh, I'm all for it. Last thing here. I saw alligator in the preview. I I've had fried alligator. I haven't had like grilled alligator yet. Um, there was a chef who loses his sense of smell and taste. And in the COVID era, Kevin, I'm a little nervous about that. I'm like, wait a minute. What does that mean? Um, so that's that he says, I'm terrified in the clip. Wait, which which contestant is it? I think it might be Luke or I don't I don't know. Wow. Or maybe that's why he's been off. That's fascinating. Like, I don't think they're going to do very well at that herb blindfold thing. Yeah, there there are a couple. There's there's a return of that Top Chef France or Top Chef Paris, I think it was, where they have to uh, create two identical looking dishes that taste completely different, which is really fun. Um, they're going to bring back Restaurant Wars, and it's kind of a blend of the most recent ones, where there's going to be a chef's tasting menu, but also there's going to be some guests there. But it's not going to be a full blown restaurant, it doesn't seem. And Kevin, we have a special guest this season, your pal. Friend of the program, where is he based now? Hershey. Oh, Hershey asks in Houston. Hershey does not know that he has been invited, but he is going to be. Um, and we'll figure it out. Like, uh, you know, obviously some episodes focus more on the local scene than others. We'll, we'll get him in. Um, Hershey's fantastic. Also a great restaurant war uh, analyst because he has been in so many real life restaurant wars. So that should be fun. Uh, there, there's major requests for Mina Kimes. Uh, we will go after Mina. It, we're not in football season, which, which helps our cause. That's right. Cause she is, she is slammed during NFL season as one of the best analysts on the planet. And we got a lot in store. Tom, any closing thoughts as we prep for the draft? We got to get in the draft room in the next week. I got to really watch the first episode and get in the draft room. My favorite episode of Pack Your Knives, the draft episode. I'll get to my notes and figure out the draft 
swaps and and future first round picks or whatever we did in past seasons, whether we're going to make any trades this year. I can't wait for the draft. It is super fun. Kevin, I'm just I'm just so glad to be doing this again. Uh, it's great to have you back. And I think I think our fans have been clamoring for us to do a preview episode. We should have done this earlier. But now that now that it, I can see the preview, it is so close. I can taste it. I'm so excited for Pack Your Knives to return and can't wait to watch Thursday night. And and the, the schedule is going to be hopefully um, working like a machine this year is the hope is that we will be able to get these episodes out right after the episode. So Pack Your Knives recap of the episode, hopefully overnight, so you can listen to that during the morning while you get your kids up or get the breakfast going. You can listen to the show recap after Thursday night. So... I'm super excited, Kevin. Let's do this. For Tom Havistro, this is Kevin Arnabitz, and this is Pack Your Knives. Pack Your Knives.